welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast, your weekly roundup of the most interesting trends and developments in performing credit, stressed and distressed, restructuring and post-reorg in the European and CMR markets. It's Tuesday, March the 14th. I'm Caterina Dassier. Coming up this week, Leverage Finance reporter Beatrice Mavroleon will discuss the highlights of the primary markets so far this week. Director of Editorial Operations Richard Woolley will talk us through the recent developments of the Silicon Valley Bank. Senior editor Magnus Sherman will chat about Ukraine Metals and mining group Metinvest, which is scheduled to pay down one of its five euro bonds next month. Finally, Editor Robert Schack will discuss Luxembourg-based Printing and Packaging Inc. Flint Group as its lenders are set to take control after rejecting the shareholders' restructuring proposal. I had a call earlier today with Beatrice to ask about the primary market so far this week. Here is what she said. Over the last week, the market was challenging for credits with difficult fundamentals, while others saw pricing tighten as a result of strong investor interest amid limited issuance. Since last Friday, the fallout from Silicon Valley Bank being placed into receivership has added to existing market uncertainty, which means primary issuance is likely to be limited over coming weeks. Specialty chemicals company Arcroma priced a slightly downsized $830 million equivalent term loan B split across euros and dollars to refinance and extend its existing euro and dollar term loan Bs due August 2024 and its CapEx facility. Pricing was delayed by about a week because the transaction struggled as investors questioned the company's exposure to cyclical end markets, including fashion and apparel. Destocking by the company's customers in the second half of last year resulted in lower sales during the group's first quarter, which ended in December, and higher cash interest alongside weak first quarter performances is expected to lead to limited free cash flow generation this year. The deal priced with the OID set at the wider end of the range at 95, fewer margin ratchet step-downs and a 25 basis point wider margin on the dollar tranche. Specialty chemicals distributor Azelis priced its 400 million euro senior notes at par to pay 575%. The deal was tightened from initial price talk in the range of 6 to 6.25%. Investors noted that the company is listed and benefits from relatively low leverage of 2.5 times with strong cash generation and a significant equity cushion. The company has delevered since its acquisition by EQT and PSP Investments in 2018, and since the 2021 IPO, Bysider said. However, the group's 2022 EBITDA margin seems low at around 11%, which may be a function of, the, of its role as a distributor. French nursery operator Grandier priced a 125 million euro term loan B add-on at Eurobor plus 425 basis points with a 97 OID, with proceeds earmarked to repay RCF drawings and to refinance an equity bridge for M&A. Chemicals company Ineos Enterprises is marketing an 820 million euro equivalent term loan B to fund its acquisition of MBCC admixture and refinance securitization facility drawings. 
Amend and extend deals continue to be a feature of the market. Petrol station forecourt operator Motor Fuel Group is marketing an extension of its 765 million sterling and 1.085 billion um, euro term loans by three years to 2028. And beauty product packaging group Albea is marketing a 566 million euro term loan B due in December 2027 to amend and extend its 444 million euro term loan B and refinance its 129 million dollar term loan B, both of which are due in, in April 2024. Finally, cable system manufacturer Nexhands is holding a non-deal fixed income investor meeting to provide an update on its latest developments. The group has also published sustainable financing uh, framework. The framework will enable the issuance of sustainable financing instruments, including green bonds. As Beatrice mentioned, the fallout of the Silicon Valley Bank dominated the headlines across the financial markets. I spoke to Richard earlier to take us through the main events. So on Monday morning, we woke up to the news that the UK arm of Silicon Valley Bank had been bought by HSBC for the sum of £1. SVB was a US lender that primarily served early stage and venture funded startups. And the US business, for anyone who hasn't been following, was placed into receivership by California's financial regulator on March the 10th. This followed what amounted to a run by depositors on the back of losses in the investment portfolio and an announcement by SVB that it would seek to raise $2.25 billion of equity to bolster its capital position. Our America's team has provided some extensive coverage of the US situation and I I really urge interested listeners to to check that out. Um, SVB also has branches in the UK, Germany, Denmark and Sweden. Um, In the UK, HSBC was at pains yesterday to point out that the assets and liabilities of the parent were excluded from its transaction. Um, as of March the 10th, so Friday, SVB UK had about £5.5 billion in loans and deposits of about £6.7 billion. A group of over 140 British tech companies wrote to the Chancellor of the Exchequer on Saturday urging the government to prevent what they called the existential threat to the UK tech sector posed by SVB's collapse and the, the HSBC deal was brokered with, with the government and, um, and the Bank of England as well. And it looks like, for now, it's worked. HSBC followed up um, yesterday with a call on which it pledged to inject £2 billion into the UK entity. And the Bank of England has also said that depositors' money with SVB UK is safe following the deal and that the business will continue to operate normally. Uh, yesterday as well, the London Stock Exchange newsfeed was awash with companies reassuring stakeholders that any impact from the turmoil at the bank would be uh, minimal or non-existent. Uh, meanwhile, the German financial regulator BaFin has imposed a moratorium on Silicon Valley Bank Germany, ordering it to be closed for business with customers. Uh, BaFin said SVB's German branch was not systemically important and posed no threat to financial stability. And similar language has been issued from financial regulators and central banks in Denmark and Sweden. So all in all, Europe has been spared the worst of the fallout, though banking shares across the region have had a pretty rough time of it this morning. And it's it's important to remember that this was something of a close call because on Friday, the Bank of England said that absent an alternative, it was going to apply to the courts to place SVB UK into uh, a bank insolvency procedure. And in that scenario... Uh, depositors are paid up to a protected limit of £85,000 
or £170,000 if it's a joint account. And then the assets and liabilities beyond that are managed in insolvency by the bank liquidators with recoveries, any recoveries distributed to creditors. So a somewhat meaningful risk there. Um, one thing we do expect to happen off the back of all this is that there will be some temporary gaps in uh, the debt financing market for the types of clients SVP had in had served in the US and Europe. And some lenders are already seeing an increase in former SVB clients seeking new facilities to fund their growth plans and operations. A lot of small companies had assumed that SVB would be available to provide capital, and its absence provides something of an opportunity for private lenders with experience in lending to the kind of cash flow negative companies that larger lenders uh, tend to avoid. The US collapse could leave a gap of as much as $16 billion in annual recurring revenue lending, some sources had told us. So this represents you know, a considerable opportunity for private credit. So we'll be watching that closely in future. Next month, Metinvest is scheduled to pay down one of its five euro bonds. But this week, a group of creditors sought an injunction against the Ukrainian company. Earlier today, I caught up with senior editor Magnus Sherman and asked him to explain the link between the two. Yeah, so Metinvest is one of the strongest credits in Ukraine. It has a 2023 bond due for repayment in about five weeks' time. There's $145 million left on it um, after the company bought back uh, about $23 million um, a couple of months back at 80. The company has already said that they intend to pay this. So this is um, really good bond, uh, news for bondholders um, who have been able to buy this bond in the 40s and the 50s after Russia's invasion of Ukraine last year. So why are creditors nervous? Um, well, they my guess would be that uh, they are looking at some developments that took place uh, at the start of last year, um, and that's not giving them a, a lot of, of confidence. So Metinvest at the start, sorry, at, yes, at the start of 2022 had a 1.16 billion of cash um, as a very, very strong company. Um, it's this very successful metals and mining group in, um, in Ukraine. The next time the company reported its cash, that was in March, so about a year ago, that number had dropped to 493. And so what happened there in, in, a, in about three months, uh, almost $700 million just disappeared out of the cash balance. Um, one explanation could be that, of course, the war has an impact. Uh, Metinvest owns especially the um, the Asovstal steel plant in uh, in Mariupol, which was the scene of pretty fierce fighting for a number of months uh, last year. That has been nearly completely destroyed, and a lot of other assets are, are ruined by the war. But it's not enough to explain that sharp drop. So uh, creditors, um, these are mostly bondholders, have been speculating that uh, the two shareholders... Rinat Akhmetsov and Vadim Novinsky have been taking out a large, large dividend at the start of 2022, in the, basically in the weeks leading up to Russia's invasion of, uh, of Ukraine. Um, and my guess here would be, we don't know for certain, but I, my guess would be that these four bondholders um, who have taken Metinvest to court in, Nether in the Netherlands are nervous that they're going to do that um, in in the weeks or even days before this payment is due on the 23rd of April uh, for the 145 million bond um, next month. So 
Metinvest said yesterday that they had received a writ of summons um, and these four bondholders are asking the company to not pay dividends for a period of one year. Um, it'll be interesting to see what um, what sort of grounds they're basing that on. Um, but Metinvest has agreed to not pay dividends while this case is ongoing. Uh, so until there's a judgment in this case in the Netherlands, the, the company will not pay and the companies do in court at the end of this week on the on the 18th. Hi Rob. So it looks like Flint's uh, lenders are set to take control of the group after rejecting the shareholders proposal. How did that come about? Hi Kat. Yes, that's right. The German printing and packaging in company has been grappling with its maturities for a long time. The company's debt comprises a roughly 71 million euro first lien RCF due on March 21st this year and a 1.2 billion euro equivalent first lien term loan due September next year. The company tried to negotiate a maturity extension with lenders late last year, but given that Flint had already amended and extended its first and second lien credit facilities once back in 2020 through an English scheme of arrangement, and because performance was under pressure, lenders refused to extend the debt a second time pushing the company into restructuring. And what did the shareholders, Goldman Sachs Asset Management and Koch Equity Development propose? The shareholders had proposed to put in a substantial amount of new money in exchange for an impairment of more than 50% of the first lien debt and the group's roughly 170 million euros of accrued second lien debt being wiped out in full. Participation in the new money portion, which would have largely funded M&A, was open to lenders. But the lenders balked at the scale of the proposed first lien haircut and opted to produce their own proposal given the tight fr- time frame to resolve Flint's maturities. Since Flint has German operating companies, its directors are legally required to file the company for insolvency if they expect the company to become insolvent or they will help be held personally um, liable. And so Rob, what are the lenders proposing? So steering, a lender steering committee comprising CSAM Bering, CBCL Centra and KKR which is working with Hulahan Loki and Latham and Watkins, has tabled its own proposal. Under the plan, roughly half the first lien term loan B will be reinstated at the OPCO level, and the rest hived up to a holdco paying pick. The steering committee is still in talks with the RCF providers, Deutsche Bank, JP Morgan and Barclays, to roll over the revolver. Under the proposal, the first lien creditors will receive most of the equity, while the current shareholders, Goldman Sachs Asset Management and Koch Equity Development, who each own 50% of the company, will be wiped out entirely. The second lien lenders, which include some significant crossholders, such as Bearings and Alcentra, will receive a small amount of the equity in order to avoid any holdups to the implementation of the plan, given the time frame. And since Flint doesn't actually need much new money, the lenders will only put in a small amount of new capital as part of their plan, which will be mainly to fund fees and potentially some working capital, and they don't plan to have any M&A. The lenders expect to make a full recovery of their principal under their plan. Flint is between eight and nine times levered, but leverage should decrease once it rides out the effect of raw material inflation and implements some of the planned cost savings. The steering committee has shared its proposal with the company and senior management is supportive and planning to reinvest its equity in the business. Flint will need to implement the deal pretty soon though, given that its RCF matures this month. Thank you, Rob. Join Reorg's Julie Micombe on March 22nd at the AFME's Varsav Seminar in collaboration with Baker McKenzie, 
which will highlight the key trends, opportunities, and challenges that 2023 is likely to bring to Europe's leveraged finance market. For more information, email marketingrviewer.com. We would like to hear your feedback to help us improve the podcast experience. So please take a moment to complete the short survey at the link attached to this podcast and let us know how we're doing. More information on all the situations and events discussed in this podcast are available on our website, reorg.com. We hope you can join us next Tuesday for another Reorg Europe podcast. Until then, have a great week and thank you very much for listening. <laughs>